I usually don't use one of these things, but I have some notes today, so I need a note holding thing. So, I'll tell you a, a true story, you might not believe it. Um, many of you know me as a 40 year old man. Uh, and by my very nature, I'm gregarious, I enjoy people, I enjoy laughing. When I was younger, this was not the case. Um, growing up, I was a very shy, shy, like painfully shy young man. I had a really hard time making friends. I mean, really, really tough. Uh, my brother was always better than I was as a kid, making friends. And the first friend I ever made in my life, I made a friend, probably I was eight years old, UP, eight years old. My brother and I, we moved to the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And we moved up there um, for a good two years. Lived above the bridge. So I was a youper for two years. Three, Three years. And I learned that all you are trolls because you live under the bridge. <laughs> That's what they said. That's what they told me. But I lived in a duplex. And a duplex is a house that's cut right in half. And you have one family in one half of the house and one family in the other half of the house. And the family next door to us had a son. Had a couple kids, and I befriended the oldest boy. His name was Chris. That was my first good friend. And I remember having a good friend mean we'd go out on our bikes, and we, the only rule, I lived in the UP, a town with one stoplight. It was like growing up in the 50s. I literally could leave my house, my mom would say to me, be home when the, light, when the stoplights turn on. So I'd go bike into the woods, I'd go explore different parts of the community, I just had to be home when the sun went down. And so me and Tony and my buddy Chris, we'd just bike around this whole community. We'd get in adventures, we'd hunt for crayfish, we'd find turtles, we'd get in young boy trouble. It was a glorious, glorious few years up there. This guy was, he came to me. It was a magical friendship. I would get in trouble at school, and I'd get in fights with this, this, these people. And no matter how bad the odds were, I knew if I got beat up that day, I wasn't getting beat up alone, because my buddy Chris would get it beat up with me. That's a good friend. I want to talk today about friendship. About friendship. See, we learned that it is not good for people to be alone. That we were not made to exist independently of all other people. We need community. We need connection. Without community, we dry up. Our minds retreat into themselves. We need community. We need connection. And God has given us different ways to connect. He's given us first himself. We can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. We can know him. And in knowing Jesus, it allows us to love other people, not desperately. I don't befriend others because I want to take from them. I befriend others because I want to give to them. That only comes from being secure in Christ. Christ wants to be that in our lives. God has also given us the family. When God created humanity, he created this thing called marriage and then children. 
a family. We talked last week how good family was, how family's the building block of all society. But here's the thing. Family can break. Parents can leave. We have in the state of Michigan a website of all the kids awaiting adoption. Most of them are older, over 12 or 13 years old, because people usually want little ones. The majority of these kids waiting adoption will age out of foster care, never having a forever family. I find myself on the website looking to see, could we make it work in our home and when will be the time to do so? These kids whose families may be through poverty or drug addiction or just death have found themselves untethered in the world. Not having a family is a tough thing in the world. But God's given us something else, a thing called friendship. And I want to read, starting off today, in Proverbs 18. This is a passage about friendship. Listen to this. It says in Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to read this same verse in other Bible translations to give you a feel of what this text means. I'm going to read it in the common English version. This is what it says. There are persons for companionship, but there are friends more loyal than family. Now listen to it in the Amplified. I love this one. The man of too many friends, chosen indiscriminately, will be broken into pieces and come to ruin. But there is a true loving friend who is reliable and sticks closer than a brother. This verse points to a truth, and that truth is this. In this life, we will have many acquaintances and only a few friends. In this passage, you see someone who has many companions, many shallow, superficial relationships. Now, that's not a bad thing. Acquaintances are good. Who are acquaintances? People at work that you know. Maybe the neighbors down the street. Maybe extended family. You have second cousins. In my family, I have like third cousins twice removed. I just call them cousin. And I don't know them well, but they're my cousin, and I know their name. I don't know the name of their wife or their four kids, but I know them. You know what I'm saying? Acquaintance. People you know that there's a little connection, but it's not deep. If that person, if an acquaintance called me at one in the morning, needed a, needed a ride somewhere, I'd be like, why are you calling me? Like it's, it's not a deep relationship. But we have these, and they're good things to have. They're not bad. Acquaintances are good to have. They're people we know, we say hi to in the hallways. Connection. But there also is a deeper level of deep, true, abiding friendship. And we see this in the passage that Miss Brianna read in 1 Samuel. I jumped to 1 Samuel 18. This passage takes place right after David kills Goliath. David, the young shepherd boy, kills Goliath, okay? 
Saul has adopted, taken David to his palace, and David is going to meet, David is going to meet King Saul's son, Jonathan. This is what happens. As soon as he finished speaking to Saul, the king, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David, gave him his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan and David become best friends. Best friends. They made a covenant of friendship together. And when Jonathan's father, the king, hates David, Jonathan will give his friend David like the inside scoop to keep his buddy David alive, even going against his own father. In this moment, David is not a warrior. David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, had no armor, had no sword, so Jonathan gives David his weapons of war so he'd be prepared for what was coming. Now, I want to say something right now before I move on. I wish I didn't have to say this. A lot of biblical scholars like going and reading current issues back into the ancient text. The friendship of David and Jonathan is not a sexual reality. A lot of people try to inject that into this text, and it's just not there. If you ever go to the Middle East, you'll see a very unique sight. The men walk on the street, and they hold hands. And no one goes, ooh, you're lame. They're friends, and because of cultures, American culture, sometimes our masculinity goes way too far. It does. We make fun of boys for being thoughtful, for being kind and, 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 and sweet. Even when I lived in India, I'd walk down the dirt roads in the village, and I'd see men holding hands. And it was a sign of we are friends, we have affection for one another, and this is a way we show our friendship. It is not a sexual thing. I'll move on from there. David and Jonathan are best friends. In this life, we can have close, abiding friendships. But listen, you gotta understand something. I may have a hundred acquaintances. I'm only gonna ever have in my life a few friendship. And that's okay. That is okay. Don't think to yourself, oh, I only have one or two good friends. You are a blessed person. And you might move away from that good friend and make another one. Life changes. People move away. People pass away. I've had great friends for a five-year season. Life has changed, and that good friend becomes an old friend. And there is Memory, when I see them, what's up? Hugs, affection, but it's not as close as it used to be because things change. That happens and it's okay. But God gives us the gift of friendship. And I want to tell you something. We as people are not good at moving from the superficial shallow into the depths with people. We don't know how to make deep friends. There are all kinds of movies making fun of this. There are studies done showing 
that people will get older, get married. It, it's, more, it's more in guys. And they made a movie called I Love You, Man, about this, where some guys will get married, they have no one step in their wedding, they have no friends. They have no friends. We have to learn how to be vulnerable and how to make these deep abiding relationships because they connect us to this good world God has made. So we have many acquaintances and we have a few friends in this life. Now because we only have a few friends in our life, I want to encourage you what kind of friends you should make. I want to tell you this. In Proverbs 27, 17, we find this text, a very famous passage. It says this, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. As iron sharpeneth iron, a man sharpeneth his brother. That's King James style. When I, I was a cook, I was a cook for 10 years in a kitchen, and our knives would get dull, which is very dangerous, especially when you're cutting tomatoes. When you're cutting tomatoes, if it gets, if it gets dull, and you push too hard and it slips, you're losing a thumb. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to keep that knife sharp. So when the knife gets dull, you take out this metal stick and you just go, and you sharpen the blade up. And when you're done sharpening that, you clean it, and that bad boy through tomatoes, and it's awesome. In the same way that iron sharpens iron, we're told that friends can sharpen friends. That means a friend can help make you more like Jesus. I want to tell you this, seek friends who draw you closer to Christ. Seek friends who draw you closer to Christ. I see this new thing on social media. I'm going to go on a rant for a second. Social media feels like friendship. It does. I have 800 followers on Facebook. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so beloved. Those are all acquaintances for the most part. We are embodied creatures who need physical, eye-to-eye, hear, hearing, seeing, knowing a person beyond a computer screen. We need that. So how do we seek friends who help, us, who help draw us closer to Christ? So I'll see someone on Facebook post a post saying something like, I'm trying to use a generic example. It'll say, um, if you can't handle me at my best, you don't deserve me at my, or if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, right? And then all the comments are like, you, you, you do you. You know, you go. You go, boy. You go, girl. And all the friends are saying like, whatever they did, they might be dead wrong, but everyone's saying, high five, you're the best. Listen, booty kissing is not friendship. I need more than yes people in my life, and so do you. Straight up. I had a friend in college. I had a roommate in college whom I loved dearly. And my friend in college became an alcoholic. I'm in a Bible college training for pastoral ministry and my roommate starts drinking heavily. And now we, weren't, we were 18 years old, so he would pay homeless people to buy him alcohol and give him like a five spot for doing so. And I watched his habit become more and more destructive in his life. 
he started pouring Bacardi in his Sprite bottle and going to Bible class and showing his friends like, <laughs> like just very rebellious, sinful, dangerous. One day I told my friend, whom I love, I said, brother, either you stop drinking today, get rid of all the alcohol out of our room, and you stop drinking in this place, or I am telling the dean what, you, what you're doing. And dude, all my friends turned on me. Are you a rat? What kind of friend are you? Now, I didn't go secret style. I went to my friend face-to-face, man-to-man, and told him, here's the line. Because I love you, I will stand against you. Out of love. I'm not going to just let you destroy your life and cheer you on as you do it. Because a good friend doesn't do that. We need friends who draw us closer to the truth. Who have the courage to tell us when we're stupid. And I know none of us want to hear that. But we all need to hear it. You've got to seek friends who are grounded in Christ and will draw you closer to Christ. We had a girl in our school my freshman year, and this poor girl thought she was overweight. She stopped eating food. She became anorexic. And you watch her body begin to shrink. Her wrists, you see the bones in the hands. Her face sinks in. And all her friends didn't know what to do. Should we say something? And no one, it was so hard, everyone just thought it'll, it'll resolve itself eventually. And one day she passed out in class. They raced to the hospital, they called her family, they came into Chicago. She had not eaten in so long, her body had begun to eat its own internal organs, its own muscle tissue. And it was so far along, they could not reverse it, and she passed away. We lost her. I was not her friend. I, I just knew it because I was there, you know? I can't imagine being one of her friends and watching someone they loved and never knowing how to... So not knowing how, they just didn't do anything and let this thing play out. We must draw our friends to Christ and we need friends who draw us closer to Christ. I remember when I was a younger man, I was in college, I was dating a girl and I was, we were brushing our teeth in like a community bathroom, you know? It was like five, ten sinks in a row. And I tell my guy next to me, I'm like, dude, this girl I'm dating, she's the best? And he put his toothpaste down. He's like, you really want to know? And I was like, want to know what? <laughs> like, like, do you really want my opinion? I'm like, yeah, I want your opinion. He's like, you say you want to be a pastor. If you marry this girl, you will never be a pastor. Laid it on. Now listen, when you're dating someone, you don't want to hear from nobody that she ain't the one or he ain't the one. Like you don't want to hear that from nobody. You ain't having it. I got mad. Who do you think you you're not a good friend, everyone? You're not a good friend telling you. I left there, thought about it for a while, and I, I thought about it. As the anger settled, I realized he was right. I didn't want to hear it, but man, did I need to hear it. We need friends in our lives who draw us closer to Christ. We need Christian brothers and Christian sisters who draw us closer to Christ. Our friendships need to have a spiritual dynamic. Not merely laughter, which is awesome. Not merely a shared hobby like hating the Brooklyn Nets. You need more than this in a friendship. You're welcome, Moses. Sorry. Um, 
You need more than that in a friendship. You need more than, more than a shared hobby, more than laughter. You need to learn how to draw near Jesus together. I remember I had a, good, a friend of mine, and we were becoming close friends, and we're at a conference, and his father figure who had raised him passed away. At the call before the conference started, he went off sat alone. The conference ended, and I waited there in my, in my chair. Everyone piled out of this big church, and I saw him across the balcony. So I went, ran around, came up, sat down next to my brother, put my hand around him, and he started crying. And not, I mean, just a, a real, like a, like a, remember being a little kid crying? Like the, the body shaking, gross crying, ugly crying, they call it? Started crying. And my heart hurt so much from my brother's loss, I started crying too. And I just, I sat there with him, we cried, I prayed for him. We got up all awkward, because it's really weird, because you're crying with some dude in an empty building. And we walked out of there all quiet, walked down the street. And he said to me as we walked home, he said, I've never had a brother ever pray with me. He never had a friend pray with him in his entire life. We need friends who draw us closer to Jesus, who we can seek God with, we can, who we ask, would you please pray for me? That should not be against the rules. It should be part of the friendships we are building because we need help running this race. Now, if that's the positive, seek friends who bring you closer to Jesus. If that's true, it's inverse is also true. And the inverse says this, beware friends who draw you away from Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good character. I've told the story, I'll tell it again. I am a man who struggles to eat healthy. I try to eat smaller portions, try to eat less late at night, but I love crappy food. I love a lot of it. That's just who I am. I don't drink, I don't smoke, but I can eat three Big Macs. Like I have, we all have our things. We all got our things. I don't cuss, but I can eat a 12-foot sub. So what are you going to do, okay? <laughs> we all have our battles, all I'm saying. I go with a buddy of mine, Buffalo Wild Wings, and we order some wings, a, 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 a very respectable small order of wings, some potato wedges, and a Coke. We eat it, and I'm still hungry, but you know what? I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta rein that in, I gotta rein that in. My buddy, stick figure skinny, just goes, hey dude, I'm like, what? He goes, you wanna order it again? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, let's order that whole meal again and eat it right now. I looked at him like I was kind of, I, 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 was like, I, was, I was like, are you being mean? Are you making fun of me? And he, there's no irony on his face. He's just like, are we doing this? Dude, it was a, for me, it was like a magical moment. I was like, you the one. Uh, so we order it, eat the whole thing over again. Now for that, that next few months working together, we got to, to eat places and we would throw down every meal we ate together. We would throw, we would eat lunch, drive across on a big boy, then have the stinking ice cream brownie cake, the hot fudge cake they have at big boy for dessert, yo. It was a good summer. One day I realized though, my buddy is my fat enabler. 
When I'm with him, he's going to cheer me on to my first heart attack. That's what he's going to do. So I learned I cannot go out and eat with this brother. We can have coffee. That's about it. <laughs> we have coffee and we can meet to pray, but we can't go anywhere near food together or he's going to bury me. In the same way, if you're trying to tear of an addiction, like alcohol or drugs, and you've got a good friend who all you did together was drink or do drugs together, you have to separate from that. It's going to bring you right back to that life you're trying to get free from. You have to beware friends who are going to pull you away from Jesus. I have seen, no lie, I remember watching in a large Christian community, a group of friends. And this group of friends that were girls, two of the women got divorced. They just thought, you know, I married young, never lived my life, never sold my wild oats, I want to be free to live my 20s now, get divorced. And I watched that entire friend group all leave their husbands to join that new single girl party. Beware friends who draw you away from Christ. If one of my good friends came up to me tomorrow and said, dude, man, I cheated on my wife, high five? There's no high five coming. There's a punch in the nose coming. Because of what a good friend would do. And I'm not lying about that. There are stories. We see in 1 Kings 12, I gave you the wrong passage, I'm sorry, it's 1 Kings 12, not 2 Kings 12. In 1 Kings 12, we find this great history. David was the king of Israel. Then his son Solomon was the king of Israel. Then Solomon's son Rehoboam became the king of Israel. And when Rehoboam became king, they sent emissaries from all 12 tribes to meet the new king and say, if you're our king, show us you love us. These, tw- these emissaries come to the palace and say, listen, Rehoboam, your dad Solomon taxed us something fierce. If you lessen our taxes, we're, we're your boys, yo. We will follow you, we will crown you king, and you are our guy. So what does Rehoboam do? He goes back in the palace, goes to the old men, his father's, his father's advisors. He says, okay, listen, old wise counselors, what should I do? And they all say, listen. Decrease the taxes, you'll have their loyalty, it'll be a seamless transition into your crown. Good counsel. Goes to his young, rowdy boys, says, guys, what do you think I should do? They say, it's our time now. You tax them like crazy, and it's party time all day. So he comes out to the emissaries. This is what happens. I go to verse 12. So Jeroboam... And all the people came to King Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. The king answered the people harshly, and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of his young men. He said to them, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father whipped you with whips, but I will whip you with scorpions. How's that for a political speech? Vote for me, I'll whip you with scorpions. It's a brutal problem. He gets up there on the stinking uh, the balcony. I'm going to raise your taxes, kiss my butt. 
And guess what happens? They rebel, and Israel is plunged into civil war. His friends, his, his friends lead him away from God's wisdom and God's goodness, and it brings his life nothing but ruin. I have an assignment for you all to do this week. Very easy homework assignment. It's called the spider. Ooh, the spider. Draw a, get a piece of paper, draw a circle. Whoop. Put your name in the circle. Me. Draw eight legs of the spider. Real easy. Eight legs. At the end of each leg, write down the name of someone who influences your life. Maybe a sibling, maybe a parent, maybe a child, maybe your best friend, maybe a guy at work, a girl at work. I don't know what your things are. I don't know who your people are, but list out the eight names of people whose opinion matters to you, who you call for counsel and advice. Who are your friends? Who do you hang with? Eight names. When that's done, you have your eight spider legs done and eight names at the end of the spider legs. By each name, write down a plus or a minus. Do they bring me closer to Christ? Plus. They pull me away from Christ, minus. Who's influencing your life? If you're trying to honor God and everyone in your life is cheering for you to blow it up, it's not going to go well for you. You need people in your life who love Christ and are going the same direction you are going. This simple Spider activity. Be honest. Who really, who do you talk to the most? Who do you call with good news? Write out your spider. And it might only be three or four. I don't know what you have in your life. But be honest and write down up to eight and see what, how are these people influencing you. And maybe you have some friends that aren't, a, that are not a, they're, they're neutral. Maybe you need to go and say, you know what, I have this friend of mine, I care about them, we've been friends a long time, I know they love Jesus, I know, they know I love Jesus, we've never prayed together, Let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say when we meet next time, hey, uh, you wanna pray together? And I know it's weird! When I first started making my friendships into spiritual friendships, it was awkward at first. But you know what's crazy? That awkwardness has borne beautiful fruit. That guy who was crying that day in the chapel. Years later, he sat me down at Applebee's and he said, Ernesto, I have a big question for you and your wife. If we died, would you take our kids and raise them. That's where that led. To trust. To, to the, a large ask, knowing I can trust you because my kids already know you because our families are bound together in devoted love one for another. As we end our service this, this morning... I said earlier that friendship changes, it moves. 
Here at Flint City Church, we become very good at gospel goodbyes, as we call them. When people leave Flint to go somewhere else. Today is the last Sunday of the Eicher clan. Eicher has been part of our community now for a few years. Today, Caleb was jamming guitar during the worship time. Just a few weeks ago, young Caleb was going to our preacher's class and preached his first sermon and killed it. He's going to college next year at Mennonite College USA. I don't know what it's called. Hartford, Red Guard, something. Um, what's it called, dude? Rosedale. That was close. But the Eichers family all lives in Ohio. And Mr. Eicher, Sean, raise your hand, has been called to pastor a church in Ohio. So he's going to pastor a new work because God's called him to that kind of work. So even though we as a church are going to miss the Eichers, dude, my kids made a big old sign, goodbye. Like They're sad because they, they love playing with the kids. I mean, it's... We love sending off people when they leave our church family. We love sending them off with our prayer and our love. So today, as the Ikers leave to Ohio, do you guys need help moving on Saturday? Or are you good? Many hands make light work. Okay, if you want to come with the couches, um, <laughs> they could use help on Saturday at what time? Uh, 8.30. 8, you a dog, dude. 8.30 on a Saturday? 8, it's, it's 8.30, it's, 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 sacrifice is worth it for the brothers and the sisters. But Sean and Nadia, we love you guys. We, we pray that your church, that God would bless the work of the ministry down there. What's the name of the church? Agape. Agape, I love it. So I'm going to ask the Ikers to come stand right here in the front. The whole clan, kids you can come to. I'll ask Angie to come. Ask the, de all the deacons, please come forward. Jared and Jamie, we worked with Iker for a while. Marsh, come on, even have been in youth group for a while. We're going to lay hands on this family as they go to do God's work in Ohio. Jared, would you do the honors of praying? Here's the, here's the microphone, brother. I turned it on. No, no, it's on. Yep. All right. Dear Lord, we just want to come to you today, Lord, and we just thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, we thank you for our church family. Uh, Lord, we want to come to you today and lift up this part of our family that's leaving, branching out, going somewhere new. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, bless Sean and his family. Lord, I ask that you would bless his work. Uh, be with him. Keep him on the path. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would bring people to him and that he would be a light for you. Lord, I ask that uh, his family also would be a light for you. I ask that they would represent you um, in Ohio. We know that that state needs your light more than some other states even. <laughs> Lord, uh, it's a sad day for us, but it's also a happy day. Uh, bless Caleb. Uh, he's going to do great things for you, Lord, and we just ask that you be with him. 
Uh, be with Joel, be with Andrew, who's not here, be with little Abby. Lord, we love this family, and uh, we just thank you for them. In your name we pray, amen. We love you guys. As we leave, if you're a, if you're a father-to-be or a father already, grab some bratwurst. I have extra donuts. If you have people at home, they'll eat them. Bring donuts home. Otherwise, I'll bring them to my house. Then you become the fat enabler. You don't want to do that. <laughs> so grab donuts. Grab bratwurst. Church, as you go out into the world this week, be the church. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.